there are people that we pass by every day. Might be a bank teller or someone at the convenience store at the checkout cashier. Might be a receptionist. Might be a waitress. And we know nothing about them. We might know their name. We might know one thing about them or maybe nothing about them. And we talk to them every day. And we don't know anything about the fact that they're fully formed human beings um, with, you know, their own troubles and their own joys, their own loves. And so I didn't want to do this podcast just with a bunch of superstars that everyone already knows about and they're talked out and you hear the same stories over and over and over again. And uh, that's why I love getting to know Sarah Knight and uh, because she does still keep a waitress shift at a diner that I love to go to, but she also works five days a week in another office and then she has all this rich backstory and this wonderful relationship with her niece. So to me, that is what this podcast is all about. I'm glad to know you, Sarah. I was with him for another six months before I realized, shit, my parents were right. He sucks. This is In Her Words, a podcast from manlisting.com, featuring one man listening to the stories of real women in their own words. In Her Words, a conversation worth hearing because every woman deserves to be heard. Hey there, and welcome to In Her Words, the podcast. Coming up on four years, never missing a week, never missing a Thursday. And, uh, I, I haven't even looked, but I think we're at over 100,000 downloads. When we get up into January, I'll let you know. Um, we're certainly over 200 episodes. So thank you for joining us on this journey. And in this time of year, in the season of giving or the spirit of giving or thinking about others, think about the people who serve you and help you all the time. People like this week's guest, Sarah Knight. Where were you born? I was born in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Hospital or home? Hospital. For your mother, your number what of how many? Second. In what, if any ways, do you find yourself being like the second child, the younger one? You know, really, I feel like I'm the oldest one. Because? I've, I've just always been the more responsible one. <laughs> and I hate to say that, and I hope she doesn't hear this. I love my sister, but she's, just, she's had some trials in life. And I've always been the, the pick up the pieces, the figure it out. Our pastor, when I was younger, said we took a Bible study class together and I would just answer the questions for my sister. But I think it got to the point where I noticed it when I was maybe 14 or 15. You start acting out as teenagers and I'd cover up for my sister. I don't know where she is. And she's like running down the street. What did acting up look like? Oh, we were bad kids. <laughs> we were awful. My sister just snuck out a lot. She loved hanging out with boys and always picked the wrong ones, which we all go through that phase. Um, I was just partying a lot. I was like a little goth kid in high school. I went to Ozfest when I was like 15, sneaking out of the house, going to house parties. If you were to ask your mom, what was Sarah like as like two years old? What would she say? Um, she would probably say that I was very, very sweet, but also a firecracker. Uh, she talks about how my main goal in life for a long time was just to annoy my sister as much as possible. So I, know, I was just always following her around, trying to hang out with her and her friends. And when I was two, I very much remember her being with, she was four or five, being with like her young friends and me just trying to be with them. And my mom said, my sister would lose her mind and I just want it go away. 
I just keep poking her and poking her and poking her. So she beat on you? No, no, we never got physical with each other. She just scream at you. Yes. If you're born in Mount Pleasant, what brought you to Charlotte? So we moved up here when I was about four months old. Um, my great uncle owned a dry cleaners here that mm -hmm. my dad came up to start running for him when he got older. And that's when I was a baby. So half Charlotte, half Charleston. That's fun. Yeah. I nice. love Charleston. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Well, why don't you move back? Uh, I feel like I have so many roots here now. Like mm -hmm. my mom still lives here. My sister, my niece, my dad. It'd be hard to not be 10 minutes down the street from them. Are your mom and dad still together? No, no. They split up when I was seven. Mm -hmm. So what did you make of that? Uh, it was, it was an interesting time. Um, my mom was actually in Charleston talking to my aunts and uncles there about the situation when my dad told my sister and I that he was leaving. And they had separated for a little bit before that for a month or two. And my mom always called it a timeout, that they were taking a timeout. And I remember asking him, like, is it just a timeout or is this for good? And he said, it's for good. I've bought a house. And my mom didn't know at the time that he had bought a house. So when she came back and saw his things packed up was when she realized he was leaving. That was hard to see. Now that I'm older, I'm super thankful for it. Because? They just weren't good together. They were fighting. There was tension in the house. You know, it, just, it wasn't a good situation for anyone. And I'm glad it ended when I was seven and not when I was 14 or 15 and more um. aware. What do you see about them that you weren't able to see then? A lot, um, particularly my mom. We didn't speak for three or four years. And then when we did start speaking again, our relationship was very strained up until a couple of years ago. And it's, it's because there's a lot of mental health stuff that runs in my family. And when I was a teenager, I depression, depression, anxiety, um, bipolar, schizophrenia. There's a lot of that on my dad's side of the family. And when I was a teenager, I got very depressed. I started getting very anxious and having panic attacks. And my mom had no idea what to do with it. Just nothing. And she passed it off as, oh, she's a teenage girl. What would bring on a panic attack? anything and everything. I think I just felt really displaced and like I didn't have support because my sister was doing a lot of things and getting all the attention from the parents because she needed help and was acting out and ran off to Maryland for four days. And I was kind of left to my own devices. And at 14, 15, 16, you don't know what you're doing. So I would hate going to school. I'd have panic attacks before going to school coming home. It was just, I just didn't feel safe for a lot of the time. And my mom had no idea what to do with it. And I held that against her. If you had a 14 year old girl and she had panic attacks, what do you do? I mean, I know what I would do as someone who's experienced it. And my mom didn't even really know about mental health until she married my dad. And she just thought I was being a dramatic teenage girl. I mean, we've all seen it. They start freaking out over nothing. And I hate you, mom. And you just let them be and they calm down. But for me, that's not how it was. And my dad was there for me. My dad got me in to see a therapist. He got me on medication and with a psychiatrist regularly. And that's when I started living with him. Did the meds help? Yes and no. Um... I think I was over-medicated and they didn't stop the anxiety. They just made it, they just shoved it into the corner or put a blanket over it. So for me, I'm not a fan of medication. I think it's great for other people, but I just didn't have a good experience with it. Have you found <laughs> any type of therapy that was helpful? Yeah. Um, so I actually, I got back into therapy probably about three years ago after a really bad breakup. And the the woman I see is amazing, but we do, it's not dialectal. DBT. DBT, yeah. 
Um, and I, it's talk. Yeah. It's talk therapy and meditation is really big for me too. Uh, I have all the meditation apps. I do meditation seminars and it's, it's probably what saved me from it. Honestly. Um, do you have an intentional practice? Like at a certain time of the day you will. No, it's really based off of how I'm feeling. Hmm. Um, and it's, I just kind of listen to my body. If, I'm stressed out and I don't have a lot of time. I'll just do like a quick five minute little body scan meditation to like reground myself. And then there are times where I come home and I've had a long day and I have like a whole ritual of centering myself, grounding myself, meditating, whatever it is. How long is that? How long does it Like two to three hours. Do you listen to something that works you through this or do you sometimes i normally do guided meditations but when i'm in a really not good headspace i find that i'm adverse to silence in a um, avoidance kind of way like i don't want to be in my own head and that it's good for me to sit in the silence so it takes a lot of self-awareness that i don't like having sometimes <laughs> Well, I'll say, and discipline. Yeah, yeah. It's a real regimen, a real practice. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you went to church school, um, but also that you became a little hellion. Yes. <laughs> um, is meditation for you a way of addressing anxiety, or would you call it a spiritual practice? I think it's a bit of both. And that's honestly something I've been trying to nail down more as time goes on. Cause I, I did grow up Christian and I do believe in God, but I'm not, I don't go to church actively. Um, the church I grew up in was fantastic and open and loving and kind. Uh, my choir director growing up was a gay man. So I never dealt with any of the hate that you see in a lot of Christian churches. And I've seen it hurt so many people now that I, I struggle with going sometimes. Have you ever found a church, including the one you grew up in, where you just felt warm and relaxed and you're like, yeah, this is a place I could hang out? Not really, mm. no. I yeah. feel that way when I'm like out in nature more than in a building. What's your favorite? Oh. Like if you could be teleported right now, what's your happy place? Um, There is in Black Mountain, North Carolina, a place called Christ Mount, which oddly enough is um, a Christian assembly center for the denomination I grew up in. And I counseled camps there for, I went to camps there and counseled camps there for many years. And uh, there's a camp there for high schoolers. And on the last day, we send them off with a sunrise hike. And it's a hard hike, just straight up the mountain for a mile. But you hike up there at like four in the morning. You sit at the top of the mountain and watch the sunrise over Black Mountain. And that is my, I need to go and reconnect and restart. It's just, it's my favorite place in the world. It's the top of Rocky Knob. The funny thing is, there's something about sunrise. Yes. And sunset. Yes. Yeah, there really is. It can make the ugliest. <laughs> oh, yeah. Landscape. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's mm. gorgeous. And it's just, I've had so many moments of there of like saying goodbye to kids I've known their whole lives. You know, it's their last year of camp and you're just alone with what the world should be. Mm. Um, is there any way or avenue for you to serve in a role like that now? Um, not really. I would love to. The camp director when I was there, and he was there for 40 years, has since retired. Mm. And from what I've heard, I haven't experienced it firsthand. The people who took over are more... Um, fire and brimstone yeah i was thinking more like 
outward bound or you yeah. know something that is secular or you know yeah it's it's something worth looking into one of one of the things i really struggle with in my life is saying i don't have the time mm. and i feel that way i feel that it's a fact i work six days a week how many hours about 50 55 depending mm. on the week um but there's still plenty of opportunities out there that you can do on Sundays or in the evenings. Is Sunday your day off? Yeah. What do you do on Sundays? Usually laundry, cook for the next week, try to relax a little bit, read a book. What kind of books? Oh, I'm all over the map. I love a good thriller. I love a good murder mystery. Um, but I've really been leaning towards like sci-fi fantasy uh -huh. recently. Yeah. Um, I went through a poetry phase. I want to, I want to get into like biographies. Yeah. I want to learn. Yeah. So. Is there somebody you find fascinating? This is kind of embarrassing to admit, but I really want to read the Britney Spears documentary, uh, biography. I've heard good things. I know. And I mean, it's just, it's someone I grew up with. She was my first concert and then, well, if you want to know the difference in a guardianship and a conservatorship, I mean, if you're a yeah. lawyer who's going to go into that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's about the highest profile one you yeah. can find. That's her story is insane. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's not there's there's a lot there. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I'm not a hater. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hate Britney Spears. Good. No. Good. No, I mean, no. So in high school, other than being a little goth kid, um, did you make decent grades? What were your extracurriculars other um, than Ozfest? Other than Ozfest. I played the flute for nine years. Um, I played it up until my junior year of high school. Concert band, marching band? Concert band, yep. And... In middle school, I went to Northwest School of the Arts, so we'd travel and go to competitions, and I was in sixth and seventh grade there, and we were competing against high school bands, placing second. I loved the flute and had a bad band director that got me out of it. I'm sorry. It's not your fault. It's yeah. what it is. So I still have the flute. I pull it out every now and then just to see if I can still play the scales. And can you? Yes. Yeah. Neat. But that's it. I can barely read music now. Well, but I mean, that's something that you could play for yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's nice to know. I at least remember the scales. And also breathing is an intense part of meditation. I bet it playing is. an instrument lowers your blood pressure. Yep. It's peaceful playing it. It really is. And it's not a trumpet. No, no. It's, it's not an electric guitar or a drum kit. No, I think my neighbors would be much happier if I played the flute instead of any of those things. <laughs> That's good stuff. So when you graduated high school, what did you decide to do? Um, I moved out on my 18th birthday, which was 20 days after I graduated high school. I'm a summer baby. So I moved out on my 18th birthday um, and was working two jobs. Moved out to where? I moved in with my boyfriend at the uh -huh. time, um, who was 24 or so, I believe. And Older man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was. And what did your mother say about him? We weren't close at that time. She knew, but and she wasn't happy, but I didn't really give her the time to give me her opinion. She calls this guy slug, if that tells you what she would have thought about it. And what did your father say? Um, he said, you're going to do what you're going to do. And even though it's a massive mistake, I can't stop you. What did your sister say? Um, she said, bye. Good luck. That was about it. <laughs> so I moved out of my dad's house where she was living at the time. And I was with him for another six months before I realized, shit, my parents were right. He sucks. <laughs> what jobs were you doing? So I was working at the diner. Ah. 
and I was working at a school uniform store. That, that was my very first job. How did you get the job at the diner? So I grew up eating there and I knew Amanda since I was like five years old. Is she the owner? Mm -hmm. I remember we used to call her Miss America when I was a kid. I really thought she had won Miss America and then went to go work at a diner. <laughs> but um, Was she a beauty queen? I just, my dad thought she was. He loved I thought her. you had to be really religious to work there. Uh, it's not a requirement, but it helps you acclimate into the culture yeah. there, I guess. Yeah. Um, Do they ever sh say a prayer before the shift? No, no, not that I've seen. Maybe yeah. when I'm not there, but. Yeah. Um, so when I was like 15, they had a now hiring sign and I went in and I was like, hey, Amanda, like, can I work here? And she was like, oh my God, yes. And I've been there on and off for the last 16 years since. I like that place. It's a good spot. It is. Yeah. It's like Cheers, but with eggs and hot dogs and milkshakes. Well, there's this kind of eclectic yeah. mix. And there are characters. There are. There are and some fun people there. One of them, Plain Jane, I want to talk to her. Oh, yeah. She's something. And she's got a story. She does. Yeah. She's been... Yeah. Yeah. She's done a lot in her life. Um, how do you feel about working there for this long? It feels like an accomplishment in a way. I mean, I'm obviously not there full time and I don't think I could work in a restaurant full time. Where do you anymore? work the rest of the time? For a chiropractor. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I'm just over there on Saturdays and like, it is a job and it is work, but it also feels like I'm just hanging out with my friends who decided to stop by. And is it stressful at moments? Yes, but there's something about serving I can't get out of my blood. Like, it's just, I like the hecticness to a certain extent. I know there are people who would think like, oh, you're 31 and like work a second job serving tables in a restaurant, but I get to like, be with people and give back and get to know the world, which makes me feel really nice. It also is a means of service. Yeah. Yeah. Like people going out to meals is them spending time together. And if you could make that a good experience for them, you've made their day. There have been some studies about, um, the dry cleaner, the waitress, the doorman, the yeah. these sort of bit players. Yeah. The receptionist. Yeah. The, you know, janitorial or housekeeping staff, whatever. Yeah. Um, the person at the convenience store. Yeah. That we think that human exchanges with these people is unimportant or perfunctory. I might yeah. as well use the automatic scanner yeah, or the robot or whatever. And as a lot of these positions, bank teller or whatever, go to uh, AI or go yeah. to bots, androids, um, it contributes to the overall loneliness and isolation. I think that's very true. Human connection is important. Like looking someone in the eye and even if it's minor saying like, oh, how was your day? It was good. Okay, bye. It adds up all those little interactions. So this morning I was sitting at a table of four men, four white men in the diner and Cheyenne comes up and she pulls up a chair at the high top yeah. And she and the first guy to order kind of go back and forth. Yeah. And they're, you know, jawboning. Yeah. And the next guy goes, let's get on with it. Just give her your order. I've seen that. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you don't get it. This is like a relationship between human beings. Yeah. And she said, well, somebody's hangry. And it may just have been that. Yeah. But also, it could say something about 
your ability to relate to women, your ability to relate to younger people, your ability to relate to someone based upon their station or a quote unquote status. Yeah. I mean, we see that a lot in the restaurant where people- Particularly since you're in a place where there are people with money. Yeah. Yeah, where they they don't realize that their server, whether they or any other restaurant I've worked in, is a person with a life outside of there. And it's it's really interesting for me to see that dynamic. And it hurt me a lot when I was younger and didn't know how to process it, but you get older and it's water off the off your back and you can say, Well, someone seems hangry and not care that someone was like, Let's go. I've also noticed being a woman and being in serving you're expected to be happy and smiling all the time whereas guys that are servers there's a different expectation on them and i will say this when i go into the restaurant with a full face of makeup done people tip a lot better than when i go in with no makeup which is which blows my mind That's interesting. Isn't it? So do you find yourself spending the time? How long does it take to put on a full face of makeup? Uh, for me, like 20 minutes. Hmm. Not long. Do you find you'll do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you experimented with something in between? Like I just mean, a little bit of... I wouldn't say not, not on purpose, but on the mornings I wake up late, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you noticed anything about in between? Uh, I mean, there's always the, you look a little tired today. And I'm like, thanks, I'm just not wearing mascara, but thank you. Um, it's, people aren't as generous, I would say. And I don't know if it's just like the human notion of, looking presentable and looking put together as opposed to looking like you just rolled out of bed. Cause there is something to be said for that, but I always kind of keep my eye on it. Like if I put dark eyeliner on people tip better. Don't know why. Hmm. That that's fascinating. Yeah. Isn't it? If someone has like a compelling backstory like she has children you know yeah um do you think that gets more tips um yes and no i think it depends on the person i've seen over the years very a lot a lot of servers more than i can probably count who always had a sob story and would they tell it? Yes. Oh, they would. Yes, and they would they would use it to I don't want to say hustle people, but to hustle people. Like, oh, let's help her out a little bit. Let's help her out a little bit. Let's help her, her out a little bit. Her husband left or she's raising those kids by herself. Or... Yep. Yep, or she was doing this all night because whatever. And I don't want to discount the people that actually have those situations and are doing good. Um I think it just depends on the person and how they go about it. Cause I've been a regular place at a place and heard the stories and known like, Oh, you were trying to lure me into something versus we're friends and you're venting. What if a waitress is, um, beauty queen, uh, yeah. pretty, mm -hmm. um, does that get more tips? Usually. Yeah. What if a waitress might not be that pretty, but she is overtly sexual, um, either in how she dresses or in like flirtatious? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, but I say, I say this as someone who worked in a lot of sports bars and then, I mean, I love, I love the diner I do, but there's also a lot of old white guys in there and most of them are not this way, but there are a few of them that are fairly like, yeah, I can put my hand on your low back as I walk by and, you know, they like that kind of stuff. It's, they don't 
pinch your butt. No, I have had that happen there, but only once in 16 years. So I think that's a good number. And when it happened, what did you do? Um, I turned around and I asked him why he thought he could do that. And he just kind of laughed and- How old? 70 or so. Ah. And I was maybe 23 at the time. And the funniest part of this story is this guy knew my dad, but he didn't know that I was my dad's daughter. And so I was like, hey, I think you know my dad. And I told him my dad's name and he just turned white. Like, oh, I messed up. And then he never did it again. I rarely see him now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. I think it happens a lot less now, but it yeah. still happens. And it depends upon kind of the environment. Like it would yeah. be more likely to happen, I think, if people are drunk. Yeah. Um, but even so. Yeah. I mean, but it's more likely. Do you ever have people, men or women, snap their fingers? Yes. And how do you react to that? Um, I used to be not so nice to them. Now I have a very kill them with kindness kind of method. Does it make you more likely to respond to them or respond quicker? Or does it make you, is it exactly the same as if they said, excuse me, when you get a chance? Mm -hmm. it's, it's exactly the same. I used to I used to not feel that way, but I try to have empathy for everyone and not make a snap judgment. Um, if someone's waving their arms in the air or snapping or putting their cup in the walkway or trying to stop me like or step behind they, the counter. Yeah, or in any way being kind of rude or entitled, I try not to decide who they are as a whole person based off of that one thing and just treat them the same as everyone else. Because everyone has bad days. Everyone's going through something and I don't know if the person snapping their fingers to get the check or order is in a rush because they're going to see their parent at the hospital or if they're just impatient, but it shouldn't change how they're treated. Not in a restaurant. Does your owner have your back in these cases? In a lot of ways, yeah. I mean, I don't think... Has a customer ever gotten anybody fired? No, they haven't gotten anyone fired. There are instances where staff members haven't done the right thing and they haven't had their back, but they don't get fired. It's just, you could have handled that better. And if they have to have that conversation, most of the time they're right. Mm -hmm. Um. If you hit the Powerball, mm -hmm. what do you think you'd do? Like now we're yeah. up at about 120, 140 million. I know, that's crazy. After taxes. Yeah, that's insane. That's a mind-blowing amount of money to think about. Would you buy your house in Charleston or on the beach or? I would, I'd, honestly, I'd probably buy a unit in this neighborhood. I love this neighborhood. I love my neighbors and I would wanna have something here. But I'd probably get a little vacation spot in Folly. Let my family go down there. Folly, Folly Beach. Beach is very important to my family. Why would you not be on Sullivan's Island or Isle of Palms? So Folly Beach is where my dad grew up and it's where my mom and dad like first lived together. It's where my sister was conceived. I recently found out this week. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know where you were conceived? No, I didn't ask that question. I don't need, I don't need to know that question. Um, and so, I mean, when I got back in town yesterday, I brought my dad, he used to have a ton of the conch shells from the Morris Island lighthouse and they've all been destroyed over the years. So I brought him one that I found, like he teared up. It's just such an important spot for a family. I would definitely get something down there for us. And then I'd pay off my car. <laughs> With $140 million, yeah. you can buy several condos. You can buy a whole building of condos. I'd rather leave some of it aside. I'd probably donate to some charities. 
like? Um, anything with at-risk kids, especially at-risk girls, would be very important to me. Anything with sex trafficking would be super important to me. It's just, I think those are causes that are, even though there's a lot more visibility to them, they're still not as visible as they should be. So I'd want to help with that. Um, and I'd, I'd probably buy my sister a house too. She's living with my dad currently and sharing a room with my 10 year old niece. So get them a house, get my niece some privacy. Does the 10 year old, are you the cool aunt? Do you get oh, along yeah. with her? Oh yeah, she comes over here for sleepovers all the time. And what do you guys do together that she likes? So when she was two and we had sleepovers, we would just play constantly. Now, all she wants to do is tell me about sharks. She's very into sharks right now. So we'll watch shark stuff. Um, she's also, she's got a little bit of like darkness in her. She loves horror movies. I mean, she wants to watch it and Freddy Krueger and all this stuff. Sharks aren't scary enough apparently, just by themselves. Apparently not. She needs some serial killers in when there too. Some people will um, go in the cages Oh to yeah. see sharks. Yeah. Does she ever want to do that? She does want to do that. I want to do that too because oddly enough, when I was her age, like as soon as I turned 10 and it was the same for her, I got weirdly into sharks. So I don't know what it is in our genes that is making that happen. But ha, have you ever been diving or anywhere? No. Have you ever seen a shark outside of? Mm -hmm. well, no. You know, of course, most sharks are not great whites. No. Um, and I mean, they're little bitty sharks yeah. and who couldn't kill you if they wanted to. Yeah. And, I mean, they can hurt you. Yeah. But they're not going to eat you down. Yeah. No. I really want to go swimming with whale sharks one day. And I had a trip to Cancun planned and the whale sharks booked and then the whole trip fell through. So I got to do that again. The whale sharks didn't leave you. I just didn't go to them. Why? Um, my ex and I had the trip planned together and then, then we became exes. So we didn't go on the trip together. <laughs> you need to go with your niece. I do. Oh, she she'd would fall just... apart lose it she would those things are massive they are they're bigger than a bus they're they? gorgeous though yeah and they're like gentle giants they just hang out yeah i mean plankton so much more like whales than they are like sharks yeah but they are sharks they are yeah they're the largest species of shark i think so what do you make of the orcas bumping the boats off spain i think that's crazy it's kind of I don't want to say it's funny what do you because people are getting hurt. What do, you, what do you think's behind it? Do you think we're just noticing it? Do you think they mean to? Do you think they're playing? Do you think they're pissed? I think they are a lot smarter than we give them credit for. And I think they're making a statement. They're saying um, no press is bad press? Is they're it? saying get out of our area. We fish here. Yeah. Like this is our spot. And I get it. If a bunch of weird people started coming in my house, just like taking stuff out of it, I wouldn't want them there either. Out of the fridge. Yeah. Like, if you woke up in the middle of the night and there was a whale shark with your <laughs> fridge open, <laughs> sticking his head in. I would take a video because that's very wild. <laughs> First off, whale shark can't fit through the front door. No, no. No, there's a lot. A baby whale shark. <laughs> a baby whale shark, yes. Who can yes. breathe air. No, well, I, I think we're in our area and I think we don't treat it with respect. And I feel like eventually nature is going to have enough. And they're very smart animals. So. Yeah. I mean, I was, when I was down in Folly, we went to Bull Island. Mm which is one of the barrier islands, um, a little bit north of Charleston, about an hour. Uninhabited? Totally uninhabited. So you take a ferry out there. Um, this place is, they have over 3,000 loggerhead sea turtle nests every year. 
It's home to over a thousand alligators and 300 different species of bird. It's so no lights? Nothing. No lights, nothing. They let people camp there twice a year to do population control for the deer. You can't light a fire out there. Like it's, it's the wilderness. And uh, we went out there and it was me and my mom and she's a photographer. So she found her little spot that she liked and she set up and she just spends hours there. So I was wandering around and I got to this part. There's an observation lookout where you can look over two different creeks and see all the birds. And I kept walking and it's a walkway with one creek on this side and one creek on the other. And an alligator was on the walkway. And I was like, okay, like I can get around him. He's just kind of chilling. He's on his little crawl in from the creek. I'll be okay. And I walked past him and I'm weaving around and I turn the corner and there's like five or six more gators on the walkway. And some of them jumped off. Some of them didn't. And I turned around because I was like, these suckers are big. They're in the middle of the walkway. I can't get by them. Nothing. And I met up with the rest of the group that came with us. And some of the guys were like, well, let's go. We'll scare them off. And as we go, when we get closer to these gators, they're throwing rocks at them. Nice spook them off. But I'm looking in the water and I see 30 to 40 <laughs> alligators on the crawlins in the water, across the water. You walk by and one's in the They've marsh grass. <laughs> and it gave me such a respect because I've seen alligators before. I've seen one or two out in the wild. But my heart was beating out of my freaking chest to know like, I'm in the wilderness with no cell service. There's about 40 alligators around me and I'm in their home. And they are also not slow. No, no, those suckers are quick. You think because they have the little legs. Yeah. No, I saw them jumping but out and going into the water and I saw a couple of them swim under and I just, I kept thinking like, man, we, we as humans live in a very soft world and now I'm out here. And if I was walking by one of these gators and they attacked, no one would know. There's nine other people on this whole island with me. Yeah. And it, it freaked me out, but it was beautiful. And then I said, I'm going to be very nice to these alligators. Yes. <laughs> well, it's basic respect. Yeah. Yeah. Don't throw rocks at them like that one guy was doing. Yeah. And if, <laughs> I think there's a there's kind of a correlation that people who don't respect humans also don't respect dogs. They don't yes. respect. Oh, yeah. Easily. Easily. There's a kind of arrogance going on there. Yeah. I will say the guy that was throwing rocks, I was joking around. And I was like, don't do that. Like, I don't know first aid and his wife goes oh he's a doctor and i was like oh that solves all our problems then i guess yeah but even so you don't want to sit around and torture no animals yeah i don't he wasn't throwing big rocks like the little tiny pebbles to try to get him to move off the walkway but it just made me laugh like you're in you're in his home he wants to lay in the road i guess let him lay in the road yeah but it was an experience I think I needed. Yeah. So I like I like. You think a lot. you'll go back? Oh yeah. 100%. How many people go on this ferry? So our group was eight people, and mm. then the guide, who's like a naturalist, captain, whatever. Um, what did he say about the throwing of the rocks? Uh, Probably he, didn't see it. He, we saw him later on, and said something to him because he came up that walkway in like a golf cart, like one of the all-terrain gators or something. Mm -hmm. And we were like, oh, did you scare him off the path? Cause we have to go back. And he was like, I guess you scared him off the path. Cause I didn't see any. And when we said something about it and he was like, he didn't even feel that you were, you weren't doing nothing to him. And, uh, just kind of laughed, but he deals with them all the time. So probably knows better than anyone. It seems like they would give you some instruction about how to interact with. Them. Yeah. Um, they talked about them being present on the island, and apparently where we were is known as Alligator Alley. 
It's mm. where they all kind of congregate. He talked a lot about the sea turtles. There's also one lone flamingo that's been living on the island for about a month. So we talked a lot about the flamingo and where to find it. Gators, he said they were there. And he said to give them a wide berth and not to get in the water. So you would live on Folly. You would not live south abroad in Charleston. No, I'm a beach girl. <laughs> I am, love the beach. So they also have the marsh. They have the yeah, the marsh is gorgeous out there. My grandma lived on the Ashley River, mm. so that was that was my spot growing up. Uh, what side did she live in Charleston proper, or did she live in? Um, she lived, God, I was seven when she passed, so I never really got like the directions, but she lived right off of Orange Grove mm -hmm. in Charleston. So I think she was in West Ashley, mm. I believe. Wow. Yeah. Uh, do you know where the house is? I do. Yeah. I know the address and I've driven by it a few times when I go down there. Is it still in the family? It's not. Mm. Unfortunately, no. When she passed, there was... A lot of drama between the siblings and the family kind of got torn apart. Um, the house was given to my aunt who is schizophrenic. Mm. And as things progressed with her, she went into a home and the house was sold to cover the costs of her care. When you hit the Powerball, you can buy it back. That would be awesome. Yeah. That would be amazing. Who would you leave it to? Probably my niece. I have so many fond memories growing up there, like crabbing on the dock and swimming in the pool and running around with my cousins. I would want her to have the same experience. Uh, how do you go crabbing? So we, my mama lived right on the Ashley River. So we had a dock with a couple boats out there. And so we would just drop some crab traps right off the dock. What do you put in a crab trap? We would put the little chicken legs. Mm-hmm. Then pull them right on up in the morning and good to go. <laughs> it was awesome. What kind of crabs? <sighs> what, I, I don't know what we were looking for specifically. I know she crabs were big mm -hmm. for us. My dad's obsessed with she crab soup. He yeah. could eat gallons of that stuff. Yeah. And then blue crab. I think we did a lot of too. Does he make it himself? He does not. My dad would rather eat a block of cheese for dinner than he would cook. <laughs> so. Oh, was your mother a cook? She was, yeah. She's a good cook too. Are you a good cook? I like to think so. Cooking for one sucks. I'm yeah. bad at that because I can't, my eyes are always bigger than my stomach and I'm very bad at eating leftovers. If you and I got struck by lightning today and the only thing that survived is this little piece of digital audio uh, what is your legacy that's i would just want people to think that i left their life a little bit better than it was before they met me i think that's all we can strive for because if you do that with every person you meet you've left so much good in the world what's your niece's name haley uh, what would she say about you? Why she loves hanging out um, with her Aunt Sarah? What does she call you? She calls me Aunt Sarah. Yeah, and I call her Nugget. <laughs> um, I think... I think she would just say that I'm fun. At least I hope she would. And that she feels safe with me. She's had some ups and downs in her life already at 10 years old. And, you know, she'll call me like, can I come stay with you? And that she has the ability to be a kid with me and be dumb and not have to act older than her age. I think my big thing is I just, I just want her to say she feels safe and loved and has fun with me. Well, I hope when she gets to be 14 and is going through her goth phase and discovers <laughs> Ozfest. Yeah, she can call me. She can say, I'm at Ozfest and it's not fun. Come get me. <laughs> <laughs> you can, and you can say, you didn't invite me? Yeah. God, if Ozfest is still going on when she's 14, 
<laughs> She's going to cause some trouble, man. <laughs> That'll be great. Um, would you like a funeral? I don't think so. Would you like a party? I would rather have a small service to recognize that I've passed. Just like this happened and we're sad, but then a celebration of life party seems more my speed. Where? Somewhere outside. Folly? Folly would be good. Yeah. Folly or Lake Wiley. I spent a lot of time on Lake Wiley when I was growing up. You want to be cremated or buried? Cremated. Where would you like the ashes? You want somebody to keep them or you want them to be scattered? Scattered. Where? From Rocky Knob in Black Mountain. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. I'd rather be out there than just tucked away in a box in someone's house. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you making the time. Yeah, of course. This was awesome. And now you have to introduce me to these other folks. Yes. Yeah. I'll make it happen. I hope Sarah Knight wins the Powerball, and whether she does or not, I hope she's able to buy a condo in the neighborhood where she is. Not just to rent, but to buy. And I think that is a very achievable dream. So all my best to you, Sarah. In Her Words is a production of the Queen City Podcast Network in cooperation with Balto Creative Media. Allison Andrews at Andrews Creative, Rachel Clapp Miller and Roshonda Pratt are developmental producers. Sally Higgins at Higgins and Owens tries to keep us legal. Our music is A Day at the Park by the group Pictures of the Floating World. Your announcer is Catherine Smith. That's me. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and take a moment to rate and review. It really helps others find us. If you love us, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com. Look for Man Listening. One word, no spaces. A small investment makes a big difference in lifting up the voices of women. A huge shout out and thank you to everyone who has supported me, manlistening.com, In Her Words, the podcast, and now Voice Locket. Voice Locket, wrapping up a wonderful one this week from a man in Nashville, Tennessee, who honored his mother and father by preserving their image, likeness, and their voices, and their wonderful laughs, and even a few tears, for all time, for generations to come. VoiceLocket.com. Thanks. Thank you for your support. We believe one voice can change the conversation. Thanks so much. <laughs>